everybody. Welcome back to another edition of The Teardown. My name is Jeff Gluck, and I'm along with my coworker Jordan Bianchi here at The Athletic. We have just watched the Texas Motor Speedway race, which um, quite an interesting outcome that I didn't see coming. Uh, Austin Dillon wins. What? At a mile and a half track, not a fluky way. He just won. Uh, he used great track position <laughs> and fended off uh, some great cars on several restarts along with his uh, teammate Tyler Reddick, a rookie who had no tires. Austin Dillon had two tires. Uh, yeah, okay. So that happened. Uh, Jordan, <laughs> how are you doing today? I'm doing good. It was a it was a wild race because the first half of that race was, let's be honest, it wasn't the most exciting, and I was having flashbacks to Kentucky. And then that last third of the race or so was, was really good and just a lot of different strategies and weirdness and like you said austin dylan winning a week after cole custer won like what the heck is going on in this world <laughs> i know i mean just when you start to think you have a, a little bit of a handle on this nascar season right um yeah it's been it's been weird um you know and and i'll extend the same sentiment i mean in the first half of the texas race i was like well this is a very texas race i mean every you know the the obvious we I, I think I messaged you at one point where I'm like if we're gonna be talking about blend line violations on this podcast <laughs> we are gonna be in big trouble because it's if that's gonna be the talking point um and then you know it's like how how many times on the same podcast can we talk about oh well these races are too long at Texas Texas shouldn't be 500 miles I was like I don't even want to go there because it's we we just already done it and I'm like oh what are we gonna talk about then, it, like you said, it started to get interesting because, um, and not, and I'm talking about before the Quinn House stuff too. I mean, you had interesting strategy there where, you know, Blaney and Hamlin were really the two best cars, it seemed like. Um, Blaney, for some reason, like everybody else, takes the four tires with like 40 whatever laps to go. Um, Denny Hamlin's crew chief, Chris Gabehart, puts two left side tires on his car. That actually turns out to be the winning call, but then they end up getting caught um, a lap down by the Quinn Huff, um, sort of an all-time bonehead move there, uh, which we'll which we'll get into. But that really changed the the outcome of the whole race, obviously. And then from there, it just got crazy and wild, you know. It did, and you you know all of a sudden you know, the two RCR cars are on the front row, and you're thinking, okay, they're going to get gobbled up quickly. Joey Logano's right behind them. Kyle Busch is in the mix. Blaney's coming with fat, you know, with uh, four tires, and he's got a good car. Harvick's up there. You're like, oh, there's no way these guys are going to hold on. But Austin Dillon kept clicking off good restarts after good restarts, and was able to put some distance between himself and everyone else. I was shocked. I really was stunned. And honestly, I'm more stunned with today's result than I was last weekend when we saw rookie Cole Custer win. To me, this outcome was was far more stunning. I agree with you because you know Cole Custer just you know, got a heck of a restart. Right. And three guys were battling up there and he was able to, to pass them. And, you know, he was in good position, but to Stuart Haas racing car too. Right. Right. And, and, um, but for, for a couple cars to be up there on way older tires to hold off. I mean, even, even after, uh, one of the later restarts got, uh, shaken out and you're thinking, okay, well now Kyle Busch is third. And he's probably, you know, he's going to track down these two RCR cars, pass them both. And we're going to be looking at Kyle Busch's first win of the season or something, even with the damaged car. I mean, that's what I was, mm -hmm. that's what I was thinking. But I mean, really, I mean, it, I guess it shows a couple things, right? We, we continue, even the, tr the crew chiefs, not just us, 
uh, we're not taking the track position seriously enough. As much as we talk about it, track position uh, is everything. And clean air is everything. The tires, Joey Logano had an interesting point. He says the tire is is too good in that it does wear. It's not that it's not wearing. It does wear, but it doesn't lose speed. And that was something that I hadn't heard before. I, I was just thinking, oh, these tires don't wear out. He said they wear they wear out all the way down to the cords. They do wear, but the speed doesn't drop off, which is incredible. Um, so, you know, obviously Tyler Reddick, no tires, and, and Austin Dillon with the two tires, both being able to hold off, you know, cars on much newer tires with their track position. I mean, it's incredible. Justin Alexander, Austin Dillon's crew chief, said afterwards, I don't know, I was shocked more guys didn't t- just take two. Couldn't believe everybody was putting on four. Um, and then Reddick, you know, taking the no tires. It, it, it's weird. I mean, you would think with such a long race, the crew chiefs would have said, hey, let's do this. You know what I mean? Like, let's see what's happened. But really, only a couple people even tried two. I don't get it. And I'm going to sound like I'm going to be the Monday morning quarterback. And I know I'm making this way too simplistic than it is. I don't understand the thinking here. It seems like it seems like the straightforward, easy move. The winning move is no tires are two tires at the most. And yet there's crew chiefs that take four, which makes no sense to me. And it's just like we see this week after week. And I'm just like, I don't get it. It's baffling to me why this keeps happening and why decisions that seem so straightforward, end up turning into decisions that are anything but. And in Ryan Blaney's case, it cost him a, a good chance at a win. He had the best car today, especially in long runs. And you you take two tires or you take no tires there, you're in really good shape. And his car was, was great on restarts. It was firing off. I don't get it. I, I do not understand it, but... I don't know. I don't know what to say. Others, I just it makes no sense to me. But kudos to Justin Alexander because it was you know he made that call. That team made that call, and it goes back to something we talked about on a podcast a while ago, a couple months ago. We talked about how RCR has got this advanced technology center that they're using back at their command center in in North Carolina, and it's kind of dictating their pit calls for them and saying this is what you need to do in this situation to maximize your result. And that factored into today's decision for Austin Dillon to take his tire. Austin Dillon took two tires and Reddick took no tires. So it's just interesting to see how the how different teams do different things and their approaches. And today, Richard Childers Racing, right, wrong, or indifferent, they may not have had the speed in their cars. They did have speed in their cars, but they didn't have winning speed in their cars. They nailed the strategy part of it. Well, right, and you're talking about the Pit Row RHO yep. software, uh, yep. the AI software that they use. And, and Richard Childress, after the race, said that both those calls for both Reddick and Austin Dillon were made from that command center today, not mm-hmm. not at the track live, but using that command center. The the data was telling them to do this, and they followed it, and it won them. The race got them a one-two finish. Um, Joey Logano. Afterwards, they were, we were doing a Zoom call with uh, Reddick, and Reddick gets up to leave, and Logano was next. And you hear Logano say in the background, "I am shocked that you guys l- stayed up there on on old tires. I can't believe that both of you, you know, didn't get gobbled up." And Logano said, "I was sure I was going to pass both of them, and it just it didn't work out that way." So, um, yeah, it's crazy. I, I will say, in slight defense of the crew chiefs, because I agree, more should have taken that chance. I mean, obviously. It seems like a no-brainer, um, not only now, but at the time, too, because all day we were talking about track position from the very first mm-hmm. run. Um, I think somebody from PRN, or the PRN account, posted Eric Almirola's tires off the first 60 laps or whatever, and it didn't look like they had worn a bit. 
Uh, I will say though that that Denny Hamlin, when Gabehart had put on those two tires, he was like screaming that uh, he was loose and he can't hold mm-hmm. on, and and it was looking like oh maybe Blaney's going to be able to catch him before the Quinn half thing. Um, so maybe maybe crew chiefs heard that and they're like, well, I, I you know I don't want to put on two tires like Hamlin did. I, I don't know, but clearly um, it was the right call to not take four. But let's talk about um, Quinn Half, uh, his move, and that how that changed the whole race. What did you think of of his move there? He looked like an 85 year old man in South Florida driving down the freeway in the middle lane, who realizes he has to make an exit and quickly veers across oncoming traffic to the hell with anybody else coming. He's make he's getting off the freeway, hell or high water. That's what it looked like to me. Yeah, it was it was bad. It was uh it was one of those where sometimes we talk about all oh, the back marker guys interfere with the races or you know they can have an outcome on these races. Um a lot of it is when you know when they're slow and they don't pick the right lane or something. But this was just such a a blatant incident. And, you know, you have to think about how we got here to this situation, right? Mm-hmm. Landon Castle was in that car. And in fact, he had a contract for this year uh, still to drive that car. Um, we've seen people buy rides out from under somebody before, but typically it's when somebody, you know, has an expired contract. Landon Castle had signed a two-year deal with Starcom Racing. He was supposed to be in the car this year. He had the lowest crash rate. In the series last year, he was involved in the fewest amount of incidents uh, per race or however they do it um, of anybody. And so he, he took care of his equipment. As we've seen, Quinn Hauff, um multiple times this year is has been swept up in things. He seems like a nice guy. I've talked to him before. But the bottom line is for him to be in this ride, I think he's had he had had like 10 total Xfinity Series starts across two years. Um, he had had like maybe 12 or something cars tour and K and N starts. I need to go back and find the exact numbers, but not a lot of experience. It added up to less than a full season, but -hmm. the thing was he brought money, more money than, um, Landon castle, uh, was going to be able to provide certainly. And Starcom decided, you know what? It, It would be better for us to take this money and buy Landon out of his contract, essentially pay him to not race um, that it'll be worth it to us to have this. And so they've gone with Quinn Hauf. And, you know, ultimately, when you look at, at stuff like that, it has an impact that goes far beyond just Starcom, Starcom's performance because it's affecting the playoffs. It's affecting playoff drivers. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So go ahead. No, I agree. I was looking at, I'm looking at his stats, by the way. He's got 10 career starts in the Xfinity Series across two seasons. Never made a start in the truck series. Um, he's got four crashes, four DNFs because of crashes this year in 17 races going into today's race. Um, this is not a driver by any stretch of the imagination that deserves a seat in the Cup Series. And I understand that rookies make mistakes. That's part of being a rookie. You make bad choices. You make bad decisions. It happens. But it's by somebody who... You can say, well, you know what? They just need a little bit more experience. It's not because they don't know what they're doing. This, to me, I I hate to use this word. This, to me, speaks of incompetence. Well, of somebody who's yeah. over his head and shouldn't be out there in the first place. This is not a lack of experience, necessarily. This is just someone who doesn't know what they're doing and is being put in a situation that is hurting them and is now impacting others. 
Well, and, and we're we're piling on here, and and the drivers, you know, um, from Matt to Benedetto to Brad Kozlowski, you know, various people noted after the race, like this this uh, this can't this kind of thing can't happen, right? This person ruined their day, and I think that when you see uh, drivers speak out like that, they're not just speaking about um, this one incident. They've been, you know, mm-hmm. like if you're if you're a lead lap driver, you're lapping. Quinn Howth like multiple times a race every week and he's slow and you're going around him you know at times seven eight times you know what I mean uh you see him a lot and so you you see his driving style you see and so they're they've already made a judgment um well before this incident so when stuff like this happens I mean you can just go back I mean you're 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 talking about um okay this probably could have been a win for Ryan Blaney or Denny Hamlin so that's um five playoff points right there yep um you're talking about the playoff picture is term in terms of the bubble getting changed because this allows you know two cars that were probably going to finish maybe more toward 15th you know austin dillon he was going to finish somewhere 10th to 15th probably tyler reddick as well they weren't going to get top 10s mm-hmm. all of a sudden they get more points that puts jimmy johnson william byron um you know, closer to the bubble. Austin Dillon's win vaults him over anybody anyway. So that uh, even if he drops out of the top 16, that would take a, another playoff spot away. Um, Matt to Benedetto, you know, he was probably going to have a top five. His day's ruined. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's, and, and I think the thing. Bell was trying to get in the top 24 in orders points, was in a good run today. Yeah. I think he ended up doing it anyway, possibly. Yeah, but, but, just, but yeah, yeah but I, I mean, see your just, point. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's a it's a dominant it's a butterfly effect. Yeah, and so the the thing is, if this is a if this is a season long thirty six race um, points type situation like it used to be, I don't know that you know. I think people go, oh well, that was a dumb mistake. But the problem is when you have these playoff this playoff format where everything is about the playoffs and everything is about the playoff points and the whole season comes down to it. Can NASCAR really afford to, you know, have such lax standards, I guess, for approving people? Um, you know, it, and again, it's, it sounds like we're piling on, but Brad Keselowski after the race brought up a great point, I thought, where he talked about um, sort of like a, a graduation system or a relegation if, you know, you could get demoted if you're if you're somebody that gets involved in a bunch of incidents um you know, that are, you know, obviously somebody would have to review that and it, it opens up a can of worms. But, you know, Formula One does that, right? You have to have an FIA super license. You you do. And then going even a step further, when you are involved in accidents and it's your fault, you are, you're basically, you have, uh, I forgot the term they use, but you're, you're basically awarded points. And if you hit a certain point total in a year, you are penalized and the penalties go up incrementally as you as you do more so if you you're bad you get set out a race because you've crashed too much and you've you've hurt you you've hurt other people's races so it's something to look at because other series do this now i the the tricky part is with nascar contact is part of the dna right so i'm not talking about um you know contact in terms of uh you know racing hard for for a position or something um as much as i am i mean this was this was something where it was just a very avoidable uh, error that should not have, have have taken place. And you know, he he did own it on Twitter. I mean, he he uh, at least he posted a video, you know, acknowledging his role in it. So again, I it's not like this is a, a bad person. I just think that he should have 
NASCAR should require people to go through more of a, a vetting process. You know, at a very minimum, they should say, all right, in order for you to be eligible to run a full cup series, full mm-hmm. cup season, you need to have at least have completed one season in either our truck series or our Xfinity series. At least, you know, minimum. It doesn't even matter what you're in. Just run a full season in that before you can just suddenly say, hey, everybody, here I am. You know what I mean? Um, 100% agree. It's not that I don't think that's that big of an ask. And and I also think, you know, by doing that, okay, you would say, all right, well, you're going to reduce the amount of uh, eligible, you know, drivers in the pool. Oh, because not everybody has that that much experience. Right. But, you know, perhaps that you know, makes a, a guy like Landon Castle who's been out of a ride all year because he doesn't have the money, you know, that almost makes teams have to go, okay, well, mm-hmm. we need these veteran guys, you know, they, they become more valuable instead of just being shuffled to the side because they couldn't afford to to buy a seat. So anyway, it, there's a lot of, I'm, I'm going to write more about this in my top five column uh, if you're interested in my ramblings about this more. Uh, but No, your, your, your top five column, by the way, is a can't miss thing every week. I just want to point that out. If you don't read it, you're missing out a lot. Well, it's very kind of you. Thank you. I uh, I will Venmo you for that later. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so let's talk about this, you know, a- after the results of this. So suddenly Tyler Reddick is now in the playoff picture. He was, you know, I think 42 points or something like that out before this race. Um, you know, now he's 14 points back of Jimmy Johnson for the final spot. William Byron tumbles out. Eric Jones still out. Uh, it's tightened up for this this last spot here. Um, man, there's eight races to go. What what do you see happening with this playoff spot here? I think if you're Jimmy Johnson or an Eric Jones or someone like or William Byron, you've got to be thinking win at this point because I don't think we're done getting a surprise winner or two. I, I think that we're still going to get somebody outside the playoffs that's going to get that win somehow, some way. We've, we've got Daytona road course coming up. We've got a Daytona Oval coming up. Those are two wild card races. We don't know what's going to happen there. I expect to see a lot of um, havoc in both races, a lot of you know crumpled race cars and, and surprise winners potentially. I just think if you're in that, I think points are great and you don't want to do anything that's going to cost you a big points day, but you've got to be thinking W because that really is the only safe way you're going to get in the playoffs right now. And to be conservative if you're one of those guys, I don't think it's going to get it done. Yeah, and I'll I'll add to that that we have a Michigan doubleheader coming up as well, mm-hmm. and we've often seen fuel mileage type races at Michigan, as we know, right? So yeah. uh, that could produce an interesting winner. Uh, you know, I would be tempted to say, well, this Thursday night's race at Kansas, you know, you're not going to see an interesting winner out of that. But we've just had two straight intermediate tracks in a row where you had Cole Custer yeah. and Austin Dillon win. So, uh, and you know. Tyler Reddick last year finished tenth at Kansas in, in a part-time ride. So, and and that's a track that suits his driving style very well. Yeah, I'd be very, very uncomfortable right now if I was Eric Jones, William Byron, and Jimmy Johnson. Uh, mm-hmm. It seems like at least two of them are going to miss the playoffs, which is not good for a powerhouse team. Um, you never mm-hmm. want to be a driver at a powerhouse team that can't make the playoffs. That's really that does that's, whew, that that that's a hot yeah. seat pretty quickly. Um, Especially when you're Eric Jones in a contract year, right? Right. And you know, and you know, we talk about William Byron. He's a young driver, and I think we both believe that he's very talented and he's got a lot of upside. But this is your third year, and this is when drivers 
break through and get that first win usually. This is when Chase Elliott got his first win and Eric Jones got his, you know, in year two and Kyle Larson in year three. And by now you should be doing these things. And what happened today to William Byron wasn't his fault. I mean, it's just wrong place, wrong time. But there's also the point of that team should be doing better than they are, not putting themselves in a spot where you're running around guys who aren't your caliber. Let's just be honest. No, I agree. We've seen time and again, um, even going back to sort of like the Brad Kozlowski days where, um, you know, his first couple years at Penske weren't so great. And, and it, you really get like about two and a half years into your career. And it seems like uh, if you're going to make it, that's when things start clicking mm-hmm. and you start running better and you start winning. Um, so William Byron is is there now. And, you know, the, the pressure is definitely going to mount if, you know, he, he misses the playoffs. Um, I think he's really... Uh, held in high regard by Hendrick. So I, I, you know, I'm not thinking that he would suddenly be let go or something. Um, Hendrick is pretty patient with people. He's been patient with Casey Kane and, you know, uh, other situations like that. But I don't know. I mean, it's, it's just, you don't want to miss the playoffs. If you're Tyler Reddick though, what an opportunity you have to seize upon this, uh, as a rookie. I, I never, I never thought that I predicted Tyler Reddick to make the playoffs this year, but I never thought that he would point his way in. I always thought that it would be like a, a Cole Custer type thing where like Tyler Reddick would win a Homestead race or something and he would win, you know, he would, he would, everything would come together because his driving style is so aggressive at times. But I mean, he's, he's such an interesting guy. I, I really um, was surprised in a way at how he raced those final laps. And he talked about it afterwards. You know, he said, look, I, I wanted to make sure that I didn't cost both of us a win in not just to wreck his teammate, but if like, let's say Tyler Reddick is driving really hard and he accidentally slips up the track or whatever, just to knock Dylan up enough. And they both finish second and third or something. And neither of them win, mm-hmm. you know, he said, I want to make sure one of us gets a win. I've tried as hard as I can, but the company needs to get a win. And I think, you know, from a rookie driver, I mean, you know, you look at a guy like Noah Gregson, who seems like he's just going for it all the time. And, and to his detriment, too. Right. And it's it sort of adds up and he's making more people mad. And, you know, he keeps making contact with other people while, you know, you know, and, you know, there's an argument to be made that you got to go for it. You got to win. But he's he's not making many friends while doing it. But Tyler Reddick here, who has a history of being aggressive and sort of overdoing it and getting to the wall here, he's in a situation where staring at his first potential win and he's thinking to himself, all right, I need to be, make sure that we both finish this race and we both that one of us wins it. So I applaud his maturity. He's definitely going to be a guy that sticks around for a long time, I think. Um, it's interesting to see his his development. Really impressive, and I think you make a really good point. For a, a driver who came into this series with a, an aggressive reputation, somebody who always goes after it, sometimes to his own detriment, in really showing good poise. And he's really done that all year where he really, for the most part, hasn't overdriven and really done a good job of keeping himself in check. And like you said, him winning a race wouldn't have surprised me if you asked me that before the beginning of the year. I didn't think it was going to happen, but I wouldn't have been caught off guard by it. But him pointing his way in is definitely a surprise. And can I quickly go back to William Byron really quick? I just have a quick aside. Yeah, sure. Uh, If Byron doesn't make the playoffs this year, that will be the first time a Chad Knauss-led team has missed the playoffs. Wow. Big. Well, um, you know, I feel I feel bad for Ryan Blaney. He ends up finishing seventh and, you know, clearly had uh, the best car. He led six times for 150 laps, 
Nobody else led more than 40 laps. He won the first two stages. And it seems like he's just, I mean, it seems like he's the best Penske car for, for the year overall. Um, and yet he only has one win, and it's at Talladega to show for it. He's going to have to win more at some point. Uh, he has seven playoff points, but, I mean, and again, today wasn't his fault. You know what I mean? But th- that team as a whole uh, are finding various ways to leave points on the table and wins on the table. I would consider him, you know, a final four threat, sure, certainly right now, but then you, you keep thinking, well, what else is going to happen to them when they're in good position or something in the playoffs, you know? No, I agree. Uh, my midseason uh, review that I had a few weeks back on theathletic.com, uh, I had Blaney as my third best driver this season. And I, I think I've been really impressed by him. But the issue I have with that team is the same issue that we've seen out of them from the last few years. They string together stretches where they look really, really good. They're running up front, finishing the top five, leading laps. But too often, those wins get away. This isn't a new thing that's occurring this year. This has been a thing that's really gone back since Blaney joined Penske and, you know, since he came over from the Wood Brothers in 2018. And it's not a, it's not a Ryan Blaney thing. It's just, it's, it's kind of, honestly, it's some of it's, a lot of it's just circumstances and bad luck, but it's, they don't, it, they don't get the wins that they, they probably should. And it does add up when you don't get the playoff points and you get in the playoffs and you need every single point you can get. And all of a sudden you can't rely back on what happened during the regular season that hurts you. And We've seen it this year with the Hendrick cars. Remember at the beginning of the year, we were talking every week, man, the Hendrick cars look good. They look great. Well, guess what? Chase Elliott's got one win. Alex Bowman's got one win, and that's it. Jimmy Johnson doesn't have a win. William Byron doesn't have a win. And the Hendrick cars aren't as good as they were. So those wins they missed out on, they hurt right now bad. And, you know, it's nice that Blaney's got that win in Talladega, but, man, these wins get away from you. They're so hard to do, and you just you have no guarantees that they're going to come back around to you. Well, Jordan, it was certainly a hot day at Texas today, so I doubt any of the drivers smelled very good. But, um, you know, if you use Hawthorne cologne, uh, you know, that could be a real uh, important thing to smelling good. Um, I know that you find that pretty important, and you talked about, what is it, your six-foot rule or something? Oh, 10-foot rule. You walk into a room. So I was at a funeral yesterday, true story. My condolences, I'm sorry. That's, That's all right. I appreciate that. So I walked into a funeral and I was there for 10 minutes doing this whole small talk thing and people I didn't really want to talk to. And someone said to me, they do the, they start sniffing their nose. They're like, what is that smell? That That's really good. I'm like, oh, that's my cologne. And there you go. Boom. See? Conversation starter. Wait, True so yeah, you're, you're promoting cologne by saying that you, you smelled good at a funeral. You got a compliment at a funeral. I'm just saying it is important <laughs> to smell good and you want to smell good everywhere you go. Don't be that guy. I see. So even at a funeral, you can get, uh, you, you want to do, you know, you look your best and, and smell your best apparently, uh, oh, I look all occasions. You did? Yeah, okay. Absolutely. Well, I tell you what, if I, if you showed up to my funeral, at, at, you know, for those of you who don't know Jordan, he wears like the flashiest clothes and, you know, some bright neon jacket or something. I don't know. I don't even know how to describe this stuff. I, I don't own any of the, any of these items. He wore the cowboy boots to the Bristol All-Star race, I heard. Um, and I look good, by the way. Really good. But so if you showed up to my funeral and you didn't uh, look good and smell your best and, and weren't, weren't doing all this stuff, I'd be insulted because I just know that you, this is part of your uh-huh. daily life. But if you're like Jordan and you think it's important to smell good, certainly, um, you need to 
check out Hawthorne, uh, you can take a two-minute quiz and it'll tell you the two colognes that are best for you, one for work, one for play. So, um, you know, I might have to do that, honestly, to try to just keep pace with this guy. But um, <laughs> check out Hawthorne at Hawthorne D, uh, Hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E and .co, not .com. Hawthorne.co. And use our promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off of your first purchase. So that's Hawthorne.co. And use our promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off of your first purchase. Hawthorne.co. Again, take the quiz Find out the best sense for yourself. It's totally risk-free with free shipping and free returns. Well, Jordan, NASCAR is returning to the track again Thursday. Um, it's a Thursday night race. It was so weird when they first came out with this on the schedule. Um, I was like, wait, why is Kansas Thursday night? And then there's a Friday and Saturday, uh, I think it's a truck double header and another Xfinity Correct. race. And then there's no race at all on Sunday, which is weird. Um, but I guess it gives NBC a chance to uh, try one of the midweek races. They they haven't gotten that chance yet. Fox had um, all the midweek races plus the all-star race. NBC hasn't had that opportunity, so I'm sure they want to see how it does. But on the other hand, um, I, don't, I don't know if this was planned this way, but by this time next week, um, sports will be back uh, for the most part. I mean, you're going to have baseball uh, back. Um, shortly, basketball will be restarting. Hockey's going to be restarting. Uh, so really, by next weekend, the focus isn't really going to be on NASCAR as much anymore. So I guess you sort of, you know, Thursday could be that sort of last gasp for NASCAR. Um, I, I think that it, it was good that the Texas race was relatively entertaining, especially for a Texas race, because I'm like, Man, you know, NASCAR just, I was kind of feeling like it was a wasted opportunity. Uh, the last few weeks, you know, haven't been the best tracks. Even with the Bristol All-Star Race, you know, it wasn't the best race for Bristol. So, you know, it's like, man, what this what a missed opportunity. All sports are about to come back. NASCAR is going to sort of take a back seat compared to the spotlight it's been in. Um, so hopefully Kansas is a good race and thankful that Texas at least gave us something to talk about, you know? I agree. I was it. It hasn't been the most from beginning to end the most exciting stretch of races. Kentucky was amazing finish, but the race itself was so so. Bristol, it was fine, but it wasn't what we thought it was going to be. And then today it was kind of the same thing as Kentucky, where the beginning of it was just eh, and then the the last you know finishing stretch was really good. So need a good run. Uh, need or need a good race at at, at Kansas. I don't know. I'm not optimistic i just three straight intermediate racetracks to me just is tough <laughs> right and this um, follows yeah. you know uh yeah. indianapolis and that yeah. follows and, uh two pocono races so yeah. you're just you know this stretch here is just um you know you're not getting the full short track and uh road course and um yeah you know super speedway run that you sometimes get in the season but uh there are some you know i i'm definitely looking forward to the slate that's coming up in terms of uh, the Daytona mm -hmm. road course. I'm, I think that's going to be very interesting oh, to see goodness. how that goes. Oh, I think it's going to be pure crazy. I think it's just gonna be madness. Yeah, absolutely madness. And they're talking about, I know there some crew chiefs have kind of talked about this a little bit openly on some zoom calls we had this week, but they're, they're looking, NASCAR is going to looking at adding a chicane to that front stretch because um, the speeds that the cars are going to carry through turns three and four and down the front stretch and then have to break into turn one. Um, there's some concern whether that's that, you know, how that's going to go. So 
I, I just think that race is just going to be absolutely insane. I, I think it's going to be like the roll, the first year of the Rovor where it was just nuts. Yeah, yeah, and obviously it could rain there too. Oh my goodness, I forgot about that. Um, so, you know, Daytona in, in the summer during the day, right? Isn't it during a day race? Yeah. Uh, it's got to be. I mean, they're not, they're not doing it at night. Yeah. I don't know what time the race is starting. That's a great point, though, Jeff. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Oh, my goodness. So that's, that's going to be cool. Um, there, there's some good some good stuff coming up. Um, but anyway, so uh, I guess before we move on to uh, this good race poll, we have to give you the credit from the All-Star Race, our bonus podcast the other day. Um, you were slightly more down on it, uh, I think, than I was, if I recall. Um, yeah, I think, I think we were both right. in the 60s or something. I don't know. Yeah, I think you said 60 and I said 65 or something like that. Oh, wait, yeah. till I win? I think you won because oh. you said 60 and then I said, oh, shoot. That oh, that's right. You went higher. Take it. Oh, that's right. And okay. then, yeah, I'm like, oh, well, you, you, you just kind of screwed me. So I'm like, I'll just go 65, whatever. Another reason why this whole game is stupid, but whatever. <laughs> well, it ended up being uh, the lowest Bristol race in the poll out of, I think, nine uh, Bristol races or something like that um, that have been polled all time. So um, that wasn't so great. It was, it was uh, I think, 52% or something. Um but this Texas race is going to be a real interesting one because it was obviously better for Texas than a normal Texas race, I thought. Um, but at the same time, I think people were still kind of like, wait, this is – some people on Twitter, I noticed they were like, this is a very lame result. They did not like that you had two cars who just stayed out and they were basically 15-place cars. And how did they mm-hmm. use clean air and no tires to to win, you know, win and run one, two? So, uh, you know, people are, are going to downgrade it on that. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't really know where it's going to stack up here. Do you want to go first or am I going to have to go first on this? I, I'll leave it up to you. If you want to go first, go for it. Otherwise I'll make something up as we go here. I think it'll be decent. I just don't think it'll be super high. I, I might, uh, you know, the two numbers that are coming to mind. I was thinking like 68 and 72. Um, I'll, I'll go 68% on that. Yeah. Why not? Okay, that's that's good. I was actually giving this way more thought during the race than I usually do. I, I was eating my cookies and and I was trying to figure out what the heck, what, what are we going to race? I mean, is this going to be another Kentucky situation? And then I was eating my Dunkaroos and I decided, okay, I'm just going to go 60. <laughs> that's, that's a good number to go with because the race got a little bit better, but it wasn't amazing. The last... The last you know few laps were good and everything, so I just feel like this is a sixty percenter because it's one of one of those races that there were some moments you can look at and go, "This was cool and great," but it also doesn't override the fact that what happened before that maybe wasn't the best. So sixty just is like my is going to be my normal new normal answer for when a race is just kind of yeah, it was okay. Well, I like that you're putting more thought into this because it sounds like that it must mean more to you now uh, to play along. Uh, maybe you're seeing. I feel like we've getting gotten more comments lately on twitter from people <laughs> playing along with us and uh chiding whoever wins or whoever loses and um tagging the person who wins do you feel like you've seen more more twitter response to the polls lately the poll results i have and i, and I think that's probably why i was like i said i was eating my cookies today and i was sitting there thinking about it like what am i gonna do i actually have to think about i actually put some thought into this a little bit <laughs> yeah 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 so when when it's uh when it's big word j and you're playing on words with friends uh, I I don't have to be publicly embarrassed, but when I lose to you on the poll, I do have to be publicly <laughs> embarrassed. People notice, so yeah. 
So uh, 68 for me, 60 for you. And then some good news for you, everybody. Uh, the Thursday night um, podcast that we'll do after the Kansas race, it's actually going to be um, another free episode. It's not a bonus episode because that's going to serve as our next Sunday uh, teardown. We would normally do a uh, teardown after the Sunday race. It's not a it's not a midweek race in terms of like an extra race. There's no race that Sunday. So we will be coming to you in this normal feed uh, if you're listening on the on the free feed like on Apple Podcasts or something um, Thursday night. We won't be talking about the um, truck and Xfinity races because we're just going to get get it out uh, quickly to talk cup and give our instant reactions to that on Thursday night. So that's when we will be talking to you next. Is there anything else uh, that, that we should have talked about this episode, Jordan, before we go? Just quick mention, Eric Almarolo started on the pole and he had a brake issue before the race even started. And that was kind of odd. And there was some, some concern there about whether he was going to, you know, make it to the, make it, how long he was going to go. And, and just, you know, it was one of those guys too, that you know, kind of the Byron and the Eric Jones guys that they have these good runs and he just can't get through breakthrough and get that win. And it does seem like, you know, Eric's had these opportunities to get some wins and they just kind of keep getting away from him. I wonder if that's going to catch up with him at some point. Yeah. Well, he ends up getting another top 10 out of it. So he did. He did. Uh, seven straight top tens or something. Yeah. Something like good that. Good run. Good stretch. I just, I just, yeah. we know we can finish in the top 10. I just, I want to see wins. I mean, that's, that to me is the, what we need to see out of him. Cause we don't see that. We don't see it from him. Right. Right. No, I, no, I, I agree. It'll be interesting. Um, you know, we're going to, we're going to get a pretty decent amount of races pretty quickly here because with two doubleheader weekends still to come in these eight remaining races, um, you know, I guess that, that it's really only six, six race weekends left. Right. So, um, it's going to happen fast that we're getting up to the playoffs here. Uh, it's crazy. You know, just such, such a long layoff. Then there's been all these, these stretch of races, but season's moving right along. So we it will, is. uh, and like, and yeah, go ahead. And like we said, I think August is going to be with everybody who's on that bubble and fighting for a playoff spot. And with the races upcoming, I think it's going to be wild. I really do. Well, let's hope, let's hope they keep giving us something to talk about. We will talk to you Thursday night. Thanks so much for listening to Teardown. Talk to you next time.